Welcome to episode two of Teaming Up with the Hodges Partnership. This episode features Josh Dare and Hannah Robinson, our oldest and our youngest staffer. They're discussing media relations, what it was like in the past, what it's like now, and how it'll be in the future. Thank you, everybody, for the feedback so far on the podcast and video series. We've really enjoyed hearing from you. You can follow Teaming Up with THP on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can watch the video version on our YouTube, and all that information is in the show notes. Enjoy this episode of Teaming Up with THP. Okay, Josh. So I know this may be surprising to many, but we're obviously not the same age. Um, there's, (laughs) there's some age difference there between the two of us. Um, and I was thinking recently of how different things had to have been not only professionally, but personally, um, and in the world when you first started media relations. Um, but just a little curious on, What year was it when you started media relations? What was the world like? Um, What were kind of your, some of your daily to do's um, and what that looked like for you? Yeah. um, So I'm 64. uh, And so I do have a couple years on you and a few more gray hairs. Um, (laughs) I I started my work life in 1980. Uh, Obviously this is before computers. I had an electric typewriter on my desk and the, the office that I had at, uh, my little office at the FBI public affairs office uh, was full of the clackety clack of electric typewriters with everybody working on their own typewriter. Uh, obviously no internet, no, um, no even faxes even yeah, at that point. So media relations was by and large something that you did by, um, by phone and by mail. And uh, so you can imagine, uh, you know, the, the differences that was there and we can, we can go into all of those types of things. So I'll cover the, the antiquities of media relations and you can cover how far we've come uh, since that, because it, it feels like it's a whole nother lifetime. Yeah. A whole different world. So you said that you started media relations when there were still, you were still using typewriters. Cause for me, that's like a super vintage antique thing. Like, Oh, I have a typewriter, but you were actually using a typewriter. Right. So, I mean, as we talk about the changes over, over time, I mean, obviously the biggest changes are the, the, the advent of the technology. Yeah. When I was a press secretary on Capitol Hill, this is now six or seven years later, back in the late 80s, mid 80s, I have a vivid memory of working with a reporter from the um, Providence Journal Bulletin. Uh, the congresswoman I worked for was from Rhode Island. So I got a good relationship with a kind of a nerdy reporter from, from Providence. And he said, you know, I think there's a way for, for you to send what's on your computer to my computer. And I was, you know, I was like, wait, no. I mean, that just doesn't physically seem like it's possible. It felt like, like one of those star, uh, star Trek scenes where they get into that area where they, and their, their molecules dissolve and then <laughs> the molecules appear somewhere else later. I mean, it was that ma- magical to me. And he took, me through these, he took me through these various steps and he said, yeah, okay, I got it. I got the news release. And I said, I didn't believe him. I said, okay, read it to me. And when he <laughs> read it to me, it was like this epiphany of like the world has suddenly changed. Yeah. That if we can send these um, documents through the ether, through the airwaves, uh, again, this is even before faxing, um, yeah. that, that the world has changed considerably. And I didn't, really appreciate how much it was going to change. 
but um, but it changed significantly. So um, uh, when you think about it, Hannah, I mean, think about uh, how you use email today as a media relations professional. Yeah. Well, I think about, you know, just me- building a media list. And for me, what that looks like is, you know, I am, I can get on Cision, I can put in every single, you know, piece of information that I'm looking for and pull up every demographic. I can, you know, if I'm looking for a specific reporter at, you know, the New York Times, I can find them. Um, So it's really easy in that way. Um, And I'm able to use, you know, we use a Google sheet and we're able to just like drop in all the names in a super easy way. Um, And so I think about often like how difficult that would be without the technology like Cision to be able to just pull up a reporter's name. What was the process for you trying yeah. to track down reporters and get their contact information? Right. So I guess it really depended on kind of like what your beat was or, I mean, by and large, this was even before back in the eighties, there, there came along the thing called the yellow book where it actually was a book was like a phone book full of reporters, what beats, who was at what publication, what beats they covered. It was almost out of date as soon as it came out because it was mm-hmm. had to be printed and all of those things. But before that, you basically just said, okay, let's see, I want to send this to Cincinnati. So let's see, I know there's a couple of papers in Cincinnati. So let's call up the people in Cincinnati and say, hey, who in who the Cincinnati Inquirer, who covers transportation or who covers the arts or who covers uh, infrastructure, whatever it is that we were pitching a story about, um, you know, you, you tried to find that helpful person on the other end of the phone. Invariably they had like a cranky woman would answer the phone in the newsroom (laughs) and would be exasperated at having to tell you who to send your materials to. I'm going to reach over across here for a second. Hold on. This is my old Rolodex. A Rolo what? Uh, you can see it's got uh, <laughs> all of these uh, cards have got like uh, names and uh, phone numbers on it. And back then, your, you know, your value as a media relations person was like, how thick was your Rolodex? What kind of <laughs> what kind of relationships did you have already? Or mm-hmm. are you going to have to start from scratch in building your media list? Or do you already know somebody at the Baltimore Sun? Do you already know somebody at the New York Times? who's in that beat and you had them there in your Rolodex. And so that was such power uh, for people who've been around media relations for a while is to just say, well, you know, I've got my Rolodex and uh, I've been building it over time. And it was just, uh, you know, given the choice between having a Rolodex and Cision, I would take Cision a million times over because, um, you know, the, the power of, of, you know, the accuracy of that uh, just saves you just so much time. And that was the big thing. It's like invariably I would call up reporters and say, hey, listen, I know you're not the right person, but could you tell me who the right person is? And I would always hope that that was the right person, Mm -hmm. uh, that I would kind of start this relationship based on need. So, um, See, my uh, version of that when I'm pitching to reporters is, you know, this may be of interest to you, but if it if it's a better fit for someone else on your team, like I'd love to get into contact with them. I feel like having that space to allow them to pass on the story is also nice because it opens up the floodgates for more opportunities for you. But I do have a question for you, Josh, who is the coolest contact you have in your Rolodex? 
Oh my gosh. Like the one, like your most brag, like your, what you can brag on. I have, I have not been to my Rolodex for years and years. I mean, as I'm looking through here, I mean, I had uh, a contact at CBS Sunday morning, a producer that I actually, when I was at the national endowment for the arts worked and got a story. There was one of the best stories that I'd ever placed. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking through right now and they're just, not, none of these people are, are around anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, that's a good question. I'll, I'll have to defer to another time we do this, but um, yeah. yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question. Well, you sure know, Hannah, when you said that you, um, when you're talking to the reporter, are you actually talking or is this an email exchange that you're having? Right. So being in the, you know, technological savvy world, you're not really ever talking to someone on the phone. And I feel like that's the difference, right? Like you, there was so much more about personal connection for you when you're pitching reporters. So much of the work that we're doing now as media relations um, professionals is reaching out via email um, or DMing someone on Twitter or things like that. And it's not until after you make contact with the reporter and build a relationship that you feel comfortable enough to call someone. And a lot of people on their like decision accounts or on their Twitter, like some reporters in their like uh, bio in Twitter will say, don't call me. Yeah. So there is this completely different culture than there was, you know, in your time um, of reporters not wanting to be called. And then also media relations professionals are, you know, a lot younger, they're coming into the profession and they don't feel comfortable calling people because they grew up in a time where you're texting all the time or, you know, you're on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. So you don't have to have that, like, you know, personal connection, even with their close friends. So when it comes to reporters, it's really just emailing. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with um, feeling uncomfortable with you know, maybe calling someone on the phone. But I think a lot of it is also just looking out for the reporter because they, I mean, the amount of, if, I mean, if everyone was calling them, it would just be overwhelming. So I think it's kind of to give some respect to the reporter in a sense as well. So one of the things that this technology has allowed for, and I think this is what you're talking about, it, it has opened up this profession to people with different personalities. As it used to be, you had to be that gregarious, outgoing um, that with that salesperson personality, you had to be always be a good communicator, perhaps a good storyteller. But if you weren't able to, to call somebody up and pitch a story on the phone, you weren't going to be successful. Now, the shyest person in the world, the biggest introvert who doesn't want to make eye contact with anybody can email people that that old Internet cartoon where the two dogs are sitting at the computer and one of them says to the other, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, right? <laughs> so on the internet, nobody yep. knows you're a, an introvert. Uh, and so you can make a very thoughtful pitch uh, to, uh, you know, to reporters and never, ever have to talk to them. That said, that said, I worry about the, um, I worry about losing the phone contact totally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you get called from your college to give, right, for their phone-a-thons, you can ignore their emails. You can ignore their letters. Yeah. But when you get that call from that student or what have you, you go, yeah, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'll give you 100 bucks. The same, I think, holds true for media relations. If you're not being successful 
via your emails and things, it may be time to suck it up and put in a call and say, Hey, uh, I know you're busy. I've been sending you these emails for whatever reason. You haven't been able to get back to me. I want to make sure that you really hear what this pitch is all about before I move on. I understand what, you know, I've been in the dating world. I understand what not getting uh, feedback's like, but I do want to hear it from you that you just don't, you just don't want this story. And maybe you can refer me to somebody at your, at your outlet that you think might, might uh, like the story. So. Well, someone even like me who I would consider myself, I'm like a closeted introvert, you know, like I, on the outside, I'm very much extroverted, but when it comes to certain things like that, that even makes me feel like nervous. And I wonder how I would do if I was just calling and doing a cold pitch, like, Hey, this is my story. I think you'd be interested in this for X, Y, Z. So I wonder, you know, how important it is, like you said, to still be able to, even if maybe you're not going to be calling up the reporter to be able in your head, to be able to give that pitch, um, and really make you feel more confident in what you're sending out. Because I think there are people out there who are, you know, the sprayer and prayers who are just shooting things out and really don't know the depth of what they're pitching and who would be interested. So I think maybe even if it's something where you run through that in your mind of like, if I was calling a reporter, what would I say? And that could make your email pitches that much more interesting. Right. Well, I, you know, one of the things I also, you know, you guys who are really good at media relations is, that not really stalking. Let's, let's oh, not use stalking. that word. It's completely it's stalking. kind of stalking, but yeah. it's a way of like finding out more about the reporter beyond what they're writing. Yeah. Which, you know, we never, I mean, reporters were like, you know, the wizard of Oz, they were behind the curtain. You just didn't know, you know, who they were. You didn't know if they were married or, you know, had kids now through Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all these things, you really can, feel like you're getting to know them a little bit more. You use those tools, don't you? Oh, yeah. I think when it comes to, especially if it's a really big story and you're not sending it to a large you know, group of people, you're sending it to this one reporter or two reporters that you really think could cover the story well. Like, I am a total creep. Like, I go on their Twitter. I'm, I know when their last vacation to Greece was. I know they just had their third child. Like, things like that, because it makes the interaction that much more authentic. Um, obviously you don't want to be too weird and creepy about it, but if it's something where you want to keep up with their life. So when you reach out to them, instead of sending a blanketed pitch saying, hello, X, like I wanted to pass on the story. You can say, Hey Ellie, congratulations on the third baby. Um, it was really exciting to see. I hope your, your family's doing well. Um, and that the, you know, you're adjusting well, wanted to, I know you're busy, but wanted to shoot you a quick email about a story I think you'd be interested in. That in itself is already personalizing it past the point of probably what other people are doing. What's interesting is, so the reporter knows what you're doing, right? Oh, But what you're telling the reporter is that you care enough about this pitch that you've taken the time to get to know them and their beat better because the, some of the biggest complaints from reporters is that they're the you know recipient of emails that are like you say, spray and pray. I'm just going to send it out to everybody. It's the same pitch, no matter uh, what the publication is. I've added them through Cision to my giant media list. I hit send and whatever comes my way comes my way. And you know, that's not how we do it here. Um, and, you know, if, if, if it's important enough to 
reach out to that publication, then you should be able to take the time to tailor that pitch. And, and that includes congratulations on your third baby very often. And I think it's also helpful, something that I found with kind of, especially breaking into a new market, because when I first got into public relations, I was in Harrisonburg, Virginia, doing you know PR for JMU. Um, and then when I came here in Richmond, I had to kind of get acquainted with a whole different group of reporters. Um, so I kind of use that to my advantage of saying, Hey, I'm new here. I would love to get to know you a little bit more, um, things like that. But the same can be said, you know, revert reversing that situation. If is new coming, moving to Richmond is new to a TV station or, you know, is writing for, you know, the local newspaper. I think it's important to reach out and welcome them to the city. Even if it's not something that you're actively trying to, you know, pitch. Right. I think that keeping up with reporters and building that relationship and yeah. saying, Hey, welcome to Richmond. You know, um, I work for this agency and I do this just want to, you know, be the first, one of the first to tell you, you know, welcome. And here are some of my favorite restaurants. If you ever have any questions about the city, let me know. Um, that goes a long way too, and not only reaching out when you need something. So what about this platform that we're on right now? You know, over the last <laughs> year plus, this has taken off to the point where it's like a new standard of communications. Uh -huh. Years and years ago, they had teleconferencing and all that never really took hold. And all of a sudden, beginning of this pandemic, Zoom and Teams and all of those things have kind of taken off. Is there any have you found any sort of application in media relations for this? Or uh, is that more for like once you've set up an interview or something, then you can connect people via Zoom? Well, I think that it, there could be one of two ways of doing things. Um, I think we're reaching a point, especially now, where people are a little bit zoomed out. So asking them, or, you know, there's a Zoom fatigue. So asking them to do anything outside of interviews or what they're already doing on Zoom, whether it's meetings or whatever, can be a little bit a lot to ask. But I think that, you know, in my experience with, you know, larger stories, um, I think people are more willing to hop on Zoom for 30 minutes than they would be to drive up and meet you for coffee or whatever. So maybe even I think it's helpful to even offer, hey, would love to carve out 15 minutes out of your schedule to hop on Zoom and just like chat about this story or to get to know you more. I think that people are a little bit more willing to do that because it takes less of that physical effort than mm. it does to say, hey, can you meet me downtown for a cup of coffee? I, I think we also had another application of it last week when uh, we had a client that had a major announcement was going to involve the governor, secretary of uh, health and human resources. And we could have had an in-person news conference. I mean, we could have put something up on Capitol Square and invited reporters to attend. I mean, we're at this kind of, you know, post covid -y time where we actually could do that. And you know what? We never even considered it. I mean, the the efficacy, the. The, just the kind of convenience of inviting reporters from all around the state to log on to this Zoom, hear the information, uh, look at the PowerPoint presentation, incredibly efficient, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, can ask your questions, then we can connect with you later one-on-one, -on -one, whatever. But, um, you know, one of the great anxieties throughout my career has been holding a press conference and, you know, with 10 minutes to go before it starts, there's nobody there. Yeah. I mean, what, if you have a press conference and nobody attends in a forest, does it make a sound? And, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, uh, you know, there's still that kind of anxiety if nobody connects to your Zoom. But uh, 
nowhere near compared to looking for those camera crews to be kind of walking around the corner to your press conference. Yeah. I, you got me thinking about the story that we were working on with uh, Colonial Williamsburg, the First Baptist Church Partnership, um, and how, you know, no matter how much work you're doing via Zoom, email, whatever, that PR, that true PR skill has to come out at some point. Um, and it's kind of one of those, those tests to see, are you really a PR professional? I mean, if you are working on a big story and there are going to be camera crews and producers coming on site to cover your client, you're going to have to be there and you're going to be the mediator. So everything that you've done in the virtual world all kind of comes together and you really have to prove yourself and you have to be there in person, you know, making sure things run smoothly, keeping up those connections. Um, and I think it's important to always remember that it's not always going to be you know, this virtual world, there's going to be a place where those two meet. So I think it's important to take a little bit from the past and a little bit from now and kind of make a really nice, cohesive model. Um, Because I think that there are things that we can learn from, you know, both generations that really make a strong PR professional. Um, I'm curious to, to hear your point of view, where I think Although so much has changed, I feel like a lot has kind of stayed the same. Um, media relations very much still is, uh, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. Um, there takes a lot of patience, uh, not as much patience as it took when you first got started. But I think that there are aspects that are still and always will remain. Uh, what are some that you think will probably not go anywhere? Um, yeah, so a couple things. But before I answer, I, I do think we need to acknowledge that we could talk a lot longer than people want to hear us. I know <laughs> so we probably need to wrap up, but yeah. you know, it's all about storytelling. Uh, it's all about being a good communicator. I think you always have to have strong writing skills when you're writing, even that three sentence pitch, it needs to be compelling. It needs to be well done. Um, that's always been kind of a foundational element of public relations is good storytelling. The other thing, and I would just say, is has been true then and now, and that is understanding um, understanding the publications that you're pitching, understanding those reporters. Yeah. You know, we didn't have the advantage necessarily back then of of understanding, uh, kind of get a behind the scenes view of who these people were. You have that now. There's no reason to be sending a pitch to the wrong person these days uh, based on the information that's out there. So. Uh, just being kind of a, uh, a news junkie, being kind of a student of the news, uh, understanding what stories work well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always going to be really important, too. I mean, uh, I, I see too many, too, too many young people getting into public relations that want to be event planners. And really what I'd love to have them see is like when you are reading the newspaper. And of course, I'm, I love people who actually read a physical paper. When you're reading the paper, are you noticing who's writing the story? Uh, that's really, uh, that means you, if you are, it means you're in the right business. Yeah. You know, you're a public relations person. If you, you're paying attention to what stories are appearing where and who's writing them. Yeah. Well, that was all very insightful. I think going into this conversation, I thought I would have really felt like, you know, a true student of PR when I made like, you know, my dream hit or whatever. But now I'm thinking that it's really, I'm really going to feel that way when I get my own Rolodex. So 
I'll be, uh, I'll be making sure to keep an eye out on Amazon (laughs) or if yours goes missing, you'll know, you'll know who took it. You know, it's a funny, I'm looking through here. It's just like, I actually get a pit in my stomach when I see some of these here. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for your time, Josh. Thank thank Um, you, Hannah. And and thanks for all you do in your media relations front and and keeping us modern. (laughs) And thanks for keeping us grounded.